title of the message today is, Do This in Remembrance of Me. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Pages are turning. 1 Corinthians 11. We'll look at verse 23, 24, and 25. One of these days, we are going to be opening up a Fairfield branch, and we need to do that for one reason, because we need the room here. John Meyer said, I've never seen a preacher like you. You get, a, you get your parking lot full and you send 150 people somewhere else. <laughs> All right. Uh, after the service, I need to talk to Audrey. Don't forget about that. Where's she at? She's somewhere. Also, uh, after the service, I need to talk to Dr. Molt. So don't get out of here wherever you're at, Dr. Molt. Right over there. There he is, brother. So... Uh, and it's, I'm okay. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up because we got this big insurance policy on me or anything like that. It's, it's not about that. 1 Corinthians 11, 23. Paul writes, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is a new testament in my blood, this do. Now I know that's what it says in, our, in the King James, probably in some of the other versions it says do this. And that's kind of like how we would talk today would be do this. It's like. Uh, some, some kind, sometimes in the scripture it don't really translate real well. I mean, they would look at you like you was a nut if you went into the drive-thru at Long John Silver's and said, I need five pieces of fishes. <laughs> huh? Huh? And he, you know, he, he uh, multiplied the bread and the fishes. I figured I'd get a better laugh than that. <laughs> This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Let me throw one more verse in. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he return. Father, take the words that we will speak, and I am thanking you, God, in advance for everything that's going to be done. We're thanking you, Lord God, for people that's going to hear and receive joyfully and gladly. And God, for those Christians, Lord, that maybe even today might be the very first time they've taken communion, I'm praying, God, it will be a meaningful experience to them, to each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. September 1st, 1923, Japan suffered the worst earthquake that they had ever experienced. Few countries have been through in just a few moment's time what that country went through. This earthquake with all of its aftershocks, and the aftershocks were many and great, lasted three hours. When it was all said and done, 243,000 Japanese people were dead. America immediately thanked God for America. 
we immediately sent what the Japanese called mercy ships. It had building material, there was food, there was clean water. It was everything that they needed to be able to help them get back up on their feet again. Japan's emperor sent the White House a telegram that had five words on it. The telegram was, America, we will never forget. Eighteen years later, they forgot. December 7th, 1941, Pearl Harbor happened. 2,800 sailors died. And I'm sure at that time, 18 years earlier, that Japanese emperor, that was a heartfelt thing that he sent that telegram. We will never forget what America has done for us, and yet they forgot. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32, God's word of the rock that created you, you are unmindful of. You have forgotten God that has formed you. Sixteen major civilizations have at one time been the mightiest thing on the planet, and they have crumbled, and now you've got to read them in a textbook, or you go and look at the ruins, they are no more, and the idea that behind that, behind that ruination, behind that crumbling, behind that them being no more, is very easily put in these words, they forgot God. I mean, you imagine this, just within the people of Israel, the number of nations that have went against that country. Israel is still in and about the kingdom of God and doing what God wants. They are still there. They are there as a country. But all of these different buried nations down through time that has withstood them, they are into oblivion. Why is that? Because they didn't either forget or they didn't believe when God said, the people that blesses that nation, I will bless. The people that curse that nation, I will curse. They forgot. America, we must remember that the Lord is our God. We must remember that. Yeah, but I've got patriotic dreams about this country. I'm as patriot as the next guy, but I also do not have blinders on. I've seen how other nations have spit in the face of God and how they're no more. We do not want to fall into that same category. Pharaoh withstood Moses, and in doing that, he withstood God, and that guy is in hell right now. Because he forgot what God was doing in his country. Think of this. This man forgot the Nile River turning into blood. He forgot about the frogs. He forgot about the boils. He forgot about the hail. He forgot about the darkness. He forgot about the death of the firstborn. 
all nations that forget God, the Bible says, shall be turned into hell. Pharaoh forgot the one true God, and you can go today there in Cairo, Egypt, and see Ramses II, the very Pharaoh that withstood Moses face to face, and you look at that man and think, that man is in hell because he forgot. He forgot. He forgot who the one true God was and is. Judas forgot that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And Judas wanted to force the hand of Jesus to be able to make his kingdom happen. And yet that didn't happen right then and there. He forgot the words that Jesus had said. This is why I tell you time and time again, read two chapters every day. Preacher, I don't know if I can do that. Divide it in two and read one. There's a reason I tell you that. It's so you won't forget. It's so that stays fresh in your mind and you remember the works and the things of God and how God can work in your life. Jesus said you do these things in remembrance of me. King David had 12 children. And I ain't going to give you the list of each and every one of them, but I'll give you the list of a few. Each one of them, their name meant something important. Amnon, faithful. Every time he said, hey, Amnon, come on, it's time for dinner. He was saying, God's been faithful to me. God's been faithful to me. Even times when I wasn't so faithful to God, God's been faithful to me. Every time he would look at Daniel and he would call Daniel by name, he would know God is judge. I am not the judge. He remembered back to the time when he could have killed King Saul and this man David, his life as a fugitive would have been over and what this would have meant the very next day. He would have walked into Jerusalem and become a king, but he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't take matters into his own hand. He wasn't going to get this kingdom by hook or crook. He was going to have God do it for him. God is judge. And he knew that God would judge Saul, not himself. The next one, Absalom, my father is peace. Tamar, palm trees. Now, do you get that? I, can, I think they, every time David seen Tamar, he thought back at a time in his life to where he got to the oasis and there the stream was running and there the palm trees were and there was the oasis that he needed. Every time he mentioned these kids' name, it brought a remembrance into his mind. Shemaiah, God has heard. Nathan, God has given I mean, think of that. He named one of his children after the prophet that looked David in the face and said, you're the guilty party. When he could have had Nathan killed for uttering those words, and he didn't do it. And he said, I have sinned. He knew he was the one. And he named his son Nathan after that experience of knowing that God was merciful to me even though I didn't deserve mercy. Solomon. Get the word shalom from that word. It means peace. 
Every time he mentioned one of his kids' names, he could remember back something into his life. God instituted the Lord's Supper for that sole purpose, for us to remember. We remember. God instituted the Passover thousands of years ago so we could remember. Do you realize that in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says Jesus is our Passover? So we remember. We remember. There are going to be something today that perhaps very few, if any of you, have ever heard this taught before. And I think that it's something that needs to just ring loud and true within each and every one of our hearts, but we'll get there. Bread symbolizes the Lord's body. The juice symbolizes the Lord's blood. Symbolizes. It doesn't turn into it. Now, our Catholic friends teach transubstantiation. There's a mouthful of a word. That the items, they turn into the blood. They turn into the bread. And here's where they get this. Luke 22, Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you. He didn't mean that literally that it turned into his body. Jesus also said, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus didn't mean mark shells a block of salt. He meant that figuratively. Figuratively. So it's not that it turns into that, no. It symbolizes something very, very, very precious. Now we drink grape juice at the Lord's Supper and there's a very, in my mind, an important reason why we do that. Here it is. Fermentation, hear this. Fermentation is the same thing to grape juice as leaven is to the bread. It's something decaying. And since there's no leaven in the bread, there should be no fermentation in the juice. That makes sense to me. Now, let me show you something about the Passover that you may never have caught before. How many's got their thinking cap on? Need to hang with me here on this. I think you can go to church and learn something. That's a good thing. Wait a minute. <laughs> the Egyptian people served hundreds of gods. And each god was linked to either an animal, a bug, a beetle, a frog, a crocodile. How many is familiar with anything Egyptian and know, well, that's very true. Yeah, that, yeah, I got some heads shaking like this. That's very true. The chief god that the Egyptians had was Amun-Ra. And every other false god fell somewhere beneath him. Amun-Ra, the animal that was linked to him, was a ram. Very important here. For an Egyptian to kill a ram or a sheep was punishable by death. 
Very important. In Genesis chapter 33, the scripture says, it was an abomination for an Egyptian to eat with a Jew. Now, I've read that and read that and reread that down through the years, and I thought I knew what that meant because I'd watched an episode of Big Valley. Because it came a time that when the, sh the shepherds came through and all the people in the big valley, they hated the shepherds because they had sheep and the sheep ate the grass right down to the nub and there wasn't anything for the cows. And the shepherds were an abomination That's not how the Egyptians took it. Shepherds were an abomination because occasionally they would take a lamb and would sacrifice it. They're sacrificing our God. Occasionally a shepherd would take a lamb and would kill it and would feed his family. I can prove this because watch in Genesis 46, every shepherd is an abomination to Israel or to Egypt. Why? Because Israel practiced what God had put in place a long time ago that you make the sacrifice and you use a lamb. And if they did that while in Egypt, they would be killed. And God institutes a Passover, and he tells them, every family, take a lamb. Well, Lord, Egypt's not going to like that. Pharaoh's not going to like that. Egypt said, if you sacrifice that lamb, you will die. And God said, if you sacrifice that lamb, you will live. And it gets right down to the crux of the matter. Are we going to follow God or are we going to follow Pharaoh? Are we going to follow what God's word is to us? Or are we going to follow what Egypt says to us? And God also went even a little bit further and said, not only do I want you to sacrifice this lamb, even though Egypt says you will die, and God said if you do it, you will live, because the Passover will pass over you if that blood is applied. But look how God did it. He didn't say, go and put it, open up your closet and take a little bit of the blood and put it somewhere in the way corner of your closet and take your wife's, all the boxes of shoes and you put it up there <laughs> to where nobody will ever know. What'd God say? Take the blood and put it on your doorpost. Let every Egyptian see what you're doing. 
Even if it's Pharaoh drives by and he sees it. Don't you be a coward in this thing. You do it no matter what the cost because if you do it, you will live. Egypt says we'll die. God said you'll live. You'll live. Next morning, after they had obeyed the commands of God, every Jewish man went to sleep that night thinking, oh, my Lord, I hope this pans out. I hope when I wake up, it's not Pharaoh with all of his soldiers there beating on my door and dragging me out and killing me because I have transgressed the Egyptian code of conduct. You know what happened? They got up the next morning, and they ran into the bedroom of the firstborn. Hey, looky here. Little Abie's okay. <laughs> hey, God must have been right after all. And they went, all the, all the Israelites went throughout the house, and they checked on the firstborn. And every person that had applied the blood in open to all of Egypt, that firstborn child was saved. Every Egyptian that did not do that, their firstborn was killed. The death angel had passed over. So God's saying not only do it, God's saying when you do it, you do it in front of everybody. This is why we don't shuffle you off to some side room. Anybody that wants... Preacher, I really think that I need Jesus today in my life. Well, we won't do it in front of everybody. Let's take you over here and we'll do it over here. God said you place that blood in front of everybody. When Jesus called his disciples, he called him in front of the whole world looking on. Well, I wonder what's going on there. They're leaving their nets and following Jesus. I'll declare. And they changed the world in doing that. So not only do you apply the blood, you apply the blood in front of everybody, and not only do you do that, the next day you wake up and you're glad you did it because your family's okay. Amen. Me and Kay. Also, where's Lana at? She went to Israel with us too. Right there she is. She went to Israel as well with us. When we went to Israel, we went to the uh, Yad Vashem uh, Holocaust Museum. There's a scripture in Isaiah that they take, I think it's Isaiah chapter 1, I believe, that they take to where they got the name Yad Vashem. But it literally translates a place and a name. And what that whole thing is about is they're not going to let their people forget what happened. I'd like for people to see a lot of things in Israel, but that'd be one of them I'd really like for you to see. They're not going to forget. <clears throat> you walk into a room, it's pitch black, and there's six candles burning, and a thousand mirrors. And when you walk in, it looks like a million stars is everywhere. And then you hear a woman's voice. 
and from Poland. And she names a name. And she names another name. And another name. And another name. And another name. And this may go on for days and days and days. And then she'll say, and from Hungary. And she'll name a name. And name a name. And name a name. You walk from there. And you go into a room about the half the size of this room with its highest ceiling. And it's cone-shaped that come down from the ceiling. And it's as many pictures that they can find of Jewish men and women, boys and girls, that died in a concentration camp during World War II. And then around the edge of the room are huge black volumes of books. And it's a name of every person that died in a concentration camp. All six million Jews that died during World War II, their names are there. And as many pictures as they could get, their pictures are there. A place and a name where Israel won't forget. This is what communion's all about. It's for us not to forget. Jesus said, do this in remembrance. Don't forget. Don't forget. And every Christian that's willing to take the Lord's Supper and do that openly, and then to live your life openly in this world with the blood of Jesus upon your heart, that is how God wants this thing done. Hide it under a bushel? No. No. Chester, you went into that room, didn't you? You seen that? incredible thing oh I forgot oh I'm supposed to be there oh yeah I, I forgot oh I forgot my uncle years ago he worked with a guy that he said he bought this guy bought a brand new double wide and uh, he came to work a few months later and he goes, man, they took my double wide away from me. He goes, well, Sam goes, well, how come? He goes, well, I don't know. I'm only missed three payments. And Sam goes, we well, ain't had it for three or four months. I know. I forgot. <laughs> and some people, they forget God as ludicrous, as ludicrous as that is. They forget God the same way. They put our breath in our mouth. He gives us life and we forget. This do in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. I don't care what Pharaoh says. I don't care what Egypt says. I don't care what this world says. Live openly in this world with Jesus Christ as your Savior with the blood applied and God will bless you for that. If you're here this morning and you never said yes to Jesus as your Savior, that blood needs to be applied to your life. You need to be born again. Well, the preacher just told me that. No, ain't got nothing to do with me. That's what Jesus said. I'm just echoing what Jesus said. You must be born again. Would you bow your heads, please? If there's anyone here this morning, never have said yes to Jesus, or else that is just so cold and vacant in your life that it means nothing to you. 
you've never said yes to Jesus Christ in your life and you'd like to today, I want you to raise your hand up where I can pray for you. Anybody here today? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you for those two hands. I want everybody, I want you to look this way. As a Christian person, if you're here this morning and you need to do exactly what the Bible tells us to do in remembering and also taking an examination of ourselves, I want you to do that. Some will come forward, some will take that examination and say, Lord, for be any wicked way in me, I want you to cleanse me. I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for how I live. The Bible tells us where to do that. Don't nonchalantly take the communion supper. I encourage every Christian to take communion. I also encourage you to do what the Bible says. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Would you all stand? Father, this is the time right now of this inventory that we're going to take. Lord, I'm going to take inventory as well. And I'm praying, God, for each and every Christian person that's here this morning, that, Lord, this becomes alive, fresh, meaningful within their life, and they know what this symbolizes, the very blood and the very body of your own dear son. And we ask and pray, God, that this takes on new meaning to people here this morning. If there's someone here today that's never said yes to Jesus, as other people come forward for prayer in this inventory time, I'm praying that, that people will come forward as well as the ice will be broken and they will say, Lord, I want you as Savior in my life. I want that to happen today. I don't want to leave here unless I'm safe, unless that blood's been applied to my life. I want that to happen. In Jesus, we're praying. Amen. Come on, as they sing, Christian. We ask you to come forward. If you're here this morning, those two that raised their hands, I'm not going to go back and try to drag you to the altar. I'm asking you to come forward, and I'll pray with you, and we'll believe God together for your salvation. Come on. Come on.
be seated. We're thankful for those that came forward. Um, Shelly, she came forward for salvation in her life. This young lady standing right up here. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. 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 So church, remember to pray this week. When you pray, pray for Shelly. Don't forget her. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I met Jesus.